0: Every family has room to grow as they journey through life together. And that's why we've created this podcast, Room to Grow. In each episode, from our little room to yours, our conversations will take us to places where families can grow together. Sometimes those spaces can feel uncomfortable, but they're places where we can find wisdom to weave into the fabric of our families. If you long to cultivate a deeper connection with your kids as you help them thrive in Jesus, you're in the right place. With lots of love, hope, laughter, and grace, we invite you to make room to grow with us. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? Good. Glad to be with you Same here. here today, and um, I'm excited about what we are up to, and I'll be sharing with the audience in a moment. But before I do that, um, I just want to let people know that I'm Seidel McKim, and I'm the Family Ministry Director here at Christ the King Bellingham, and excited to interview you today uh, in a four-part series where we talk about uh, teen anxiety the past few years, as well as two parts on resiliency and one on uh, parent and teen communication. So I'm excited to dig in. With that. But before I do that, I want to give the audience a little context on um, just who you are and your experiences at, before you launch in. Uh, Mike, you graduated from Fuller Seminary. You worked as a school counselor for 26 years. Hats off to you. Uh, you are a teacher in psychology at Trinity and designed a course that you have taught here twice called Beauty for Ashes. Uh, you are a therapist who also specializes in anxiety management with teens and adults, and you use the Gottman method uh, at, when you work with people and in their marriages. Uh, you've also worked a lot with uh, addiction issues with people, uh, working in treatment for 12 years. Yep. Uh, you also, I'm excited to highlight that you have written a book that is about to be published, I'm super excited about, called Rise Above It. And it will be out real soon, so stay tuned for that. Um, And last of all, you try to balance the life of intensity through therapy with a wealth of fun and humor, which I really enjoy about you. Um, In a world that is very um, heavy and serious, you deal with a lot of that, but you also bring so much joy and through humor and fun. So thank you for being here today. And
1: I promise I won't use too many dad jokes today.
0: (laughs) It's okay if you throw one here and there. We need that in our lives. (laughs) Love dad jokes. Uh, So today we're going to talk in this first video about the dilemma of teen anxiety the past three years. So, Mike, why don't you launch into a little bit of that with our audience? Yeah,
1: thank you. And thank you for inviting me to be part of this journey um, with uh, CTK and with um, parents and teens. It's an honor for me. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, so I want to I, I just encourage the audience, and I want to ask both you and I, because we're both parents, these questions to ponder on. And um, the first question is that think about the last three years since 2020, and think about the ways that kids, teens have struggled compared to prior to the pandemic, um, particularly your own kids, but just kids overall. The other question I would ask is that How has anxiety increased with teens and or with your teen the last two, three years? I'll be speaking more about that today and also in the next video as well. And then also, um, how have you seen your teen, your kiddo, um, bounce back from adversity the past two, three years or even adversity overall? We're going to be speaking about um, in the second and third video about resiliency and what that means. It has to do with bouncing back, just to give you a hint uh, in terms of that dynamic. The last question is that this is a very important question what are your teens and, and or preteens biggest strengths ponder these questions mm-hmm. and I ask that because when my son was an adolescent he's 25 now I sometimes got so caught up in things he was doing wrong or the struggles which I'll talk about a tug-of-war between my adolescent and I that I lost the dynamic around his strengths. And that's part of where I'm asking that. So part of kids being resilient is to be able to hang on to their strengths. So personalize that and think about parents, um, guardians about what kind of strengths does your adolescent have? This is
0: a great series of questions, uh, and I appreciate that last one especially, too, because you're right. We do focus a lot on uh, more of the negatives, uh, and those positives are hugely valuable. Uh, So thank you. Uh, Can you share, Mike, about the experience for most kids uh, and the after effects of 2020, mainly the pandemic and how it affected their lives?
1: Yeah, and I, I, as you alluded to, I was a school counselor for 26 years, and 20 of those years I was a middle school counselor. And in 2020, when the pandemic hit and a lot of other things happened that year that I won't go into, but the pandemic aspect, most kids throughout our country, and I saw this firsthand, were learning on Zoom or some aspect other than in person. And um, what I saw happen that year in my research, meaning my experience with kids, because I sometimes would teach, even though I wasn't formally a teacher, but I'd be part of those meetings, Mm -hmm. First of all i'm going to share briefly from a teacher's perspective i felt bad for these poor teachers 28 kids in the classroom and on zoom out of 28 kids in a middle school 24 of them would have their videos off while this poor teacher was trying to teach and very quickly it was legit to a degree that kids would do that because middle school kids don't like looking at themselves right and even high school sometimes Mm -hmm. so uncomfortable But talking about kids the two key things i saw um with probably 70 to 80 percent of kids was one, it took them out of the routine of school and learning. And when we don't have routine in life, I'm talking to us adults as well, we don't do well. Right. Um, it's important to have routine in terms of anxiety management and just management of life. The second thing it did for kids that was a pandem- to have a pandemic within a pandemic is it isolated them from their peers. I've worked so much with adolescents and their peers mean a lot to them, even more than for, than for us adults. And so two key issues, again out of the routine of school, away from their peers, created anxiety and depression. And then the after effects you asked about, mm-hmm. um, what I've seen, and I'll be blunt with the audience and you, is that I've, ever since the mass have come off, which I'm supportive of, mm-hmm. the mental health issues have come out with kids. And I don't mean extreme you know, things like what we call oppositional defiant. Yes, a little bit of that. But anxiety and depression has increased, especially anxiety. So it's a pandemic after the pandemic. And so I've seen that happen with kids quite a bit. Yeah. And uh, what do I mean by that is also what it's done is it slowed kids down academically. So we have juniors and seniors that are still at freshman mm-hmm. level of learning. Mm-hmm. The other thing it did, and from my perspective, being a therapist, a counselor, it, it, it held them back in terms of what I call emotional regulation. Mm-hmm. What's emotional regulation? It simply means that how do I handle emotions and how am I aware of my emotions? So we have ninth and 10th graders that emotionally are still in sixth grade. And that's not their fault. Right. So that's the after effects of what we've been seeing mm-hmm. in light of that ever since twenty twenty.
0: yeah so many so many developmental parts of of kids were stifled in that time and we are still catching up. yep. Um, and it's it's a brutal reality. yep. And for kids, for parents, and for teachers uh, to have to deal with. Yes. so thank you for speaking to this. Um, how does trauma trigger anxiety, Mike?
1: Trauma, um, and, and just briefly, I'm going to share there's two types of trauma. One is this cascading effect of stress, that twenty twenty and the things that have happened. It didn't happen that jarred us. It happened over time. So it was chronic. That can create trauma. Quick example, if I have one person die in one year, that's grief. But if I have four, four people dying, that is trauma. So it is with kids. That's a trauma that I just spoke of over time. There's another type of trauma that has to do with an event. A good example is 9-11. 2000, 2001, that is trauma that jarred our whole country, mm-hmm. and especially people in the New York area that lost people as well. So it jars us. And so it sends, it creates a sense of restlessness within us, which I'll talk a bit more about anxiety in a moment. Mm-hmm. So there's a difference between a bruise versus uh, a scar. Um, if I get bruised from playing one of my favorite sports, pickleball, from mm-hmm. falling down, the bruise goes away within two weeks. Yeah. But a scar lasts forever, mm-hmm. and it doesn't doom us because guess what? We have the Holy Spirit, we have God in us that yes. helps to restore us. Yes, um, so it's doesn't it's not doom and gloom in the way I'm making right. it sound, mm-hmm. but it's the difference between a bruise and a scar in terms of trauma. Does that make sense? Yeah.
0: Yeah. It really does. Yes, That's a great analogy, um, and the scars can be deeper depending on what kids are going through. I mean, just yes. in the normal days of life, but then adding all of this and the perpetuation of it uh, can lead to um, just longer lasting effects. Um, yep. Can you share about teen anxiety and what is it and how is it expressed in kids?
1: I purposely say it this way that the personality of anxiety, and I say that because people who have high anxiety feel like it defines them, but it doesn't. A good example is Peter, when he denied Jesus, and after that weekend, he had a ton of anxiety, but it didn't define him, but he felt that way, right? And so I call it the personality of anxiety. Here's what it is. And I encourage you parents not just to think of this in light of your kiddos, but maybe even yourself, because I know very few people that don't have anxiety in today's world, (laughs) Uh, especially since 2020. First of all, it's a restless mind. I alluded to that. Um, and then also it's a, it, it usually fears uncertainty. An example is that almost every kid has some anxiety going back into school in September. Mm-hmm. But kids who have high anxiety, the uncertainty is so hard to go from elementary to middle school. So it fears uncertainty, which most of us can relate to, but in, right. in sort of more of a bold print. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's expressed. This is really important. It's expressed through externalizing and internalizing. Let me briefly share what I mean Please by dear, that. That'd be great. Internalizing as me when I was in high school. This is part of my testimony. Actually, I I hid my anxiety so well. I was a humorous guy, a lot joked around. I was in the band, and a number of great things I would do that would connect with others. But inside, I was I was churning away. In that, I was this close to having an ulcer when my senior year of high school. That's internalizing. Okay. My my body kept the score. Whereas there's externalizing too, where. For my, my son, um, he's not this way anymore, but he would have a hard time in high school. He'd have anxiety all day long, but then it, the anxiety would turn to anger when he came home towards mom and dad. Okay. I don't blame him for that because mm-hmm. the main emotion right. was anxiety. We all do both, but think about which one your kiddo and or yourself mm-hmm. does more. So anxiety gets expressed somehow, but in summary, it's, it's, it's a restless mind. And one more thing real quick. Mm-hmm. For many people, it messes with sleep. Think about it. When your mind is churning in circles, totally. how would it not affect sleep?
0: Exactly. So, yeah. Yes. Which then contributes to the next day. Uh, And you touched on something too, that I think is important that uh, with your son, that example of him, you know, feeling anxious all day and then, and being able to really to power through and coming home and unloading at home. Um, And some kids do that. They go to their safe place where it's comfortable and they unload there. And for some kids it's throughout the day and whatever environment they're in. So that can be tough, not just for parents, but for whoever has your kids throughout the day too. And which can make the learning environment really difficult for the whole class.
1: Yes, for the whole class. Yes. The dynamics in classrooms, especially in middle schools, are really dysfunctional. And that's not blaming teachers. It's not blaming anybody. But that's what I mean by when the masks have come off, the mental health issues have come out. Because when I talk to my previous colleagues and even kids... It's, I don't mean this in a bad way. It's crazy oftentimes in the schools, a lot's going on and it's, I'm not blaming anybody. It's just a dynamic that's going on.
0: No, I'm with you. I I sense it too. And I feel for the teachers and the administration. I know they're doing the best that they can, uh, but also feeling it, having a middle school son uh, who is, you know, trying to focus and uh, it's, the classrooms are a little chaotic at times. Uh, Kids are reeling. Yep. And uh, it's a lot to put on teachers yep. to have to help regulate yes. kids. You know, every kid is different well and studied. has a story, yep. um, pandemic or not. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. Um, so thank you for sharing about that. Um, little segue into um, how kids are coping uh, with the anxiety yes. and stress. Can you talk a bit about how kids are self medicating?
1: Excellent question. I'll just first state, and this fits in with your question, that the more people struggle with anxiety and or trauma, the more they're prone to self-medicate. Quick quick example, I worked with a guy, early 20s, mid 20s, six, seven months ago, and he drank alcohol every night but functioned really well during the day. Shared his story with me about his upbringing, which was filled with trauma, and I actually said to him, no wonder you self-medicate. Mm -hmm. Not excusing it, but helping to understand it. The nature of self-medicating, before I talk about how kids self-medicate, is not just to chase the high, Mm -hmm. even if it's video gaming. It doesn't have to do drugs or alcohol. But more importantly, what I've seen in recent years, it's a way of avoiding pain. Mm -hmm. Nobody likes anxiety, especially when it's chronic. So how do kids self-medicate? Yes, there's maybe a few, a fairly small percentage that drugs and alcohol. But the norm is more so doing something that they enjoy too much. Video gaming. Mm -hmm. YouTube. Um, uh, sleep, and, and so often with those two things I mentioned, especially high school level, the norm nowadays is that um, many adolescents high school age will stay up till one or two in the morning because right. the height of gaming is between 10 p.m. and 2.30, 3 a.m., no matter exactly. what the day it is. Yes, and
0: they're exhausted. And so
1: it's fun, but it's also a way of self-medicating. So think of a kid who has anxiety. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of anxiety. They stay up till 3 a.m., right. It only exacerbates the anxiety with the lack of sleep the next day. So it's the circular process, like Romans 7, where Paul says, I do things I don't want to do. I don't think it's like, hey, what a wretched person I am. Before I point, we point our fingers at our kids, exactly. think about us adults right. and how we struggle with exactly. that every day, yes. especially since the pandemic. Absolutely. So self-medicating, it's taking something that is fun and, and sometimes good, mm-hmm. but doing too much of it. Right. But mostly to avoid pain. And it's not like kids are consciously thinking, I have anxiety, so I'm going to exactly. game. Exactly.
0: They don't see you it. Know? And yep. so,
1: and, but mm-hmm. the thing is, is that it keeps them stuck. Right. And I mentioned earlier the emotional regulation. If I, if I was a 10th grade boy that was reacting as if I'm a 6th grade boy to situations that make me upset, if I'm gaming 24-7, I'm exaggerating, mm-hmm. then I'm not, I, my mind isn't developing more. Right. Exactly. Oh, it
0: absolutely does. Uh, so your to your points, it's, you know, they're going to places to kind of numb out and uh, not feel the pain through doing things they love to do, yeah. but doing too much of, which yeah. then, and we're going to talk about this in future uh, videos, is that uh, that that helps them. It's like a band aid yes. for them. But then it also causes issues and uh, negative dynamics within the family household. where Parents are trying to manage that and help the kids balance. Uh, and you will speak more to that later yes. on, which I'm thankful for because it is huge. I know even just in my own family, we're working on all of that, and uh, it is it's a big discussion right now. I'm excited yep. for you to speak into Mike. Uh, so thank you. Um, if you could just share a couple of comments. Um, about how resilient kids
1: can be. Yes. That'd be great. And to the audience, this is a good appetizer to what we're going to cover in the next time. Because so far what we've talked about is the dilemma. Mm -hmm. But parents, I encourage you, we're going to be getting into the remedy to that in terms of resiliency. Uh, And part of why we're doing that is because I believe as a therapist that we need to embrace the struggle to be able to overcome it. Mm -hmm. I see that time and time again. So um, share a couple of thought comments about kids being resilient. Um, what resiliency means, and I'll talk a little bit more about this in a future video, it simply means an ability to bounce back from adversity. That's the most simplest definition. It's to bounce back. And I want to just quickly say that resiliency that's faith-based, this is awesome. This is the hope of it. It actually allows us to become even better than our original state. That's different from the world state of resiliency, because bounce back normally means just come back to who you originally were. Example I'm going to talk about this more is the Apostle Peter, who was, like most of us, quite flaky before the resurrection. Right. But think about his resiliency after Pentecost. He was better than he ever was before that. That's the way God works. Mm-hmm. And kids bounce back. They can bounce back. And we can help them do that. Story I want to share is there's a boy I work with, and we'll, we'll kind of finish up here with this video as I share this, over the past year or so that has been through a lot of trauma in his past prior to middle school. Um, neither parent has been there for him, and it's not the parent's fault because that sin goes all the way back to Adam and Eve, if I could right. say it that way. Right. Um, but here's his resiliency story. It's a community dynamic. Um, he is going to youth group, and by the way, youth group at CTK, which is absolutely amazing youth group. I've heard wonderful things about it. Uh, love the guys that lead mm-hmm. it. Just a little yes, plug. They're incredible. <laughs> and then, um, but he's also do- he's also doing martial arts which, by the way, is really good in itself when it's done with a good mindset process. He's doing two youth groups, by the way, and he's also doing after-school activities called the Natural High Club that was the school I used to work at, and he's doing a number of things, and if anything, he's almost too busy, but his adopted parent that's raising him is the, is the quarterback of that, and we'll talk a little bit about the research of resiliency, but that's an example of what resiliency is around kids. Um, he's overcome quite a bit. Does he struggle still? Yes. He's a sixth grader, um, and, uh, struggles with things, but that's what I want to just kind of do as an appetizer to resiliency.
0: Yes. Thank you so much for sharing about, uh, this young man you're sharing about. Yeah. I'm glad to hear, uh, about what's going on in his life and hoping that more kids, uh, are able to get the support they need, um, like this young man. Yeah. Uh, and we will, as you mentioned, be talking more about this and how this, um, can work in the lives of kids and give hope um, mm-hmm. to kids, but also to parents who are really uh, doing their best to try yes. to navigate this, uh, this journey that we're on. Uh, this parenting gig is difficult. Oh, yeah. Um, even on a, a good day, yeah. really good day. Um, there's a lot to celebrate. And then there's a lot of uh, grieving we're still doing. Um, There's been a lot of loss and a lot of trauma. And thank you for touching on all of this today and excited for our next video segment on teen resiliency. Uh, Thank you, Mike. And thank you, audience, for listening.
1: Thank you.